Hello and welcome to Connected by Life. I'm your host, Sean Paul Harrison. Connected by Life was created to have engaging conversations about the important topics that impact physicians and our clinical stakeholders, especially in regards to organ donation and transplantation. This is part two of a two-part series. In today's episode, The Evolution of Donation After Circulatory Death, we're going to be discussing how the advancements in technology are affecting organ donation and is leading towards better outcomes in transplant. Again, we're welcoming back Joey Boudreaux. Joey's been a nurse for over 25 years and is also LOPA's Chief Clinical Officer. I've been working with Joey for over 20 years and have always admired the fact that he is committed to making life happen. I'd just like to kind of go back to our last episode, which was, you know, it was much more of an overview, a higher level of what the kind of the history and the origin of DCD is. And like today, I'd really like for us to take a deeper dive into the further intricate details, especially like with the OR process and what that looks like. So what happens, of course, the family has decided that they wanted to withdraw life support measures. Uh, So the same process that would take place in the ICU just takes place in the operating room. And the reason for it is because of the time. It's so time sensitive. So what happens is prior to the withdrawal, the patient is brought into the operating room and prepped and draped. And everything is, is put in place so that when the recovery takes place, it can be done really rapidly. The recovery team steps out. If the family is, is in, the family may be in some of these especially. Uh, we will have some a support person there with them, but they are not a part of the recovery team. The withdrawal then takes place, and then once uh, cardiac arrest is uh, takes place and the patient is pronounced, then a, a waiting period of two to five minutes takes place prior to the recovery team uh, starting the recovery. And the reason for that is so that there's no chance of auto-resuscitation uh, that would take place that the patient's heart would automatically re- restart. Once that phase is, is done, the team goes in and does a rapid recovery. They actually they, they access the, the larger vessels, uh, they cannulate the aorta, and, uh, and then run cold perfusion so that the, uh, there's no blood clots or anything like that. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, like IV fluids, a thicker IV fluid, but it's something that the organs can, can actually, it preserves them for a time with the same fluids that we use actually for transport. We had talked about like basically the DC process, you know, which included the rapid cold perfusion. It remained unchanged until like around 2019. And so I think one of the things that we wanted to kind of pivot to today was just those emerging concepts, the technology that is impacting donation, specifically with, with DCD. That's a great point. And, and so, you know, f- for, for years, the, the organs that were being recovered for, from DCD donors was not the same as brain-dead donors. The brain-dead, you, you were able to recover heart, liver, lungs, kidneys, pancreas, and small intestine. Uh, but primarily with DCD, uh, we were only able to recover uh, liver and kidneys, and sometimes pancreas, but it was very few and far between. And that's the reason why we saw the, I guess, the, the focus shift more towards brain death was because of the number of organs, the number of gifts that were able to be given. Exactly. And then, and then so in 2019, there was a big shift with machine perfusion. 
they've created a few different machines. You know, one of them being a, a heart, what they call a heart in a box. There's a couple of different companies that, that have different ones out there. There's a lung in a box. There's, you know, a liver uh, perfusion machine. And these perfusion machines, especially the heart and the liver uh, perfusion machines, there's actual blood circulating. So we have to get a few units of packed red blood cells and uh, they put the, these organs on the pump and they basically start functioning as they would in the body. Right. So it's mimicking outside of what it would be like on the inside. Exactly. And to the uh, inclusion of the liver making bile, you know, so it's really cool. It's, it's you know, these are in, incredible new technologies. And so we started having heart recoveries for DCD. Uh, and, and more liver recoveries for DCD because of the availability and lungs because of the, of the availability of, of these organs. Historically, we did have machines, but it was really just the kidneys. Uh, we had, you know, kidney commonly known as kidney pumps. Mm-hmm. They're, they're cold perfusion. It's not, it's not circulating blood or anything. It's a cold perfusion mimicking the heartbeat and the pulsatile impact of that. But those are mainly used well after. And they kind of keep the kidneys, um, they keep them functioning a little higher level on these DCDs in between the recovery and the, and the transplant uh, stage. These are put on immediately after and they start functioning uh, as, as they would in the body. And so that goal is basically to minimize any of the damage, you know, after the recovery and the transport because um, they're being oxygenated. and Exactly. You know. So, so. So now you've got that agonal phase, what we call, it's a warm ischemic time of, that happens in DCDs that doesn't happen in, in brain death because in brain death, again, the, the patient is, has already declared deceased and there's a simple cross-clamp uh, time and immediate flush of the solution, whereas this has a time period of warm ischemic time where you have a blood pressure that's dropped for a period, the oxygenation has dropped for a period, all of this doing damage to the organs. So that's the main reason where, you know, the, the, the only organs that would, were able to sustain that hit were primarily the liver and, and kidneys. Now with, with the pump, like you mentioned, now you can basically recondition them on these machines, which is remarkable. So with that, Joey, you know, we're looking at the positives and the impact of it. What are some of the challenges faced with this process? You know, so with these ex vivo machines, these outside the body perfusing machines, you know, there's a a couple big impacts, one of them finance. I mean, everything, obviously, everything comes with a cost, right? And and these machines are so new, it, it does cost a lot more to be able to, uh, to to run these machines. Now, I have seen data, it's new, but I have seen data supporting the fact that on the recipient side, they're actually having a lot less days in the hospital and in the ICU stay. Uh, you know, so, so they're able, the transplant centers are able to recoup some of that cost, that upfront cost, but it is a substantial cost. Besides, obviously, the cost, you know, there's not all machines are FAA approved. And I'm talking FAA as Federal Aviation Administration. They're not approved to be able to go up into aircraft or in, in aircraft yet. You know, again, it's, it's new technology. So, uh, so the, the, the tra- transportation and travel is very limited. So there's a lot of limitations that do come with that. But obviously, when this technology is available, being able to save that, uh, that extra life or two or multiple 
you know, is is huge. Now, the other part of this is it's, you know, when we do use the ex vivo uh, machines, it only impacts that organ, you know, so the other organs aren't having any positive, you know, impact from that. So those are the kind of the, the only real drawbacks. All right, Joey. So we've we talked about the ex vivo machine perfusion, but that's not the only form of perfusion. So I know that there's also uh, a lot of talk about the normothermic regional perfusion, the NRP. So if you could give us some some details on that as well. Well, it's it's funny again. Cost is a, is a driving force in some of this. So there were some um, cardiac, some some heart transplant uh, groups that recognize that they started taking what was being done in Europe. Uh, called NRP, normal, normal thermic regional perfusion, or basically kind of like an ECMO or a bypass. They're putting them on bypass, putting the organs specifically on bypass, while the, the recovery is then taking place. Instead of the rapid, everything else takes place exactly as it did. But the difference is, instead of cannulating and, and putting cold perfusion, uh, with that perfusate, with that, that kind of cold IV solution, it's instead uh, oxygenated blood is then circulated with a bypass machine or, or like an ECMO machine specifically to the organs themselves. So what happens is they still cross clamp. They you know, still do the same clamp as they would have on with a cold perfusion uh, what, above the organs so that the organs only are, are being perfused. So if the heart's involved, they'll go immediately above or near the carotids. If abdominal NRP is, is uh, going to be used, then they cross clamp at the diaphragm. And then they run the circuit and the organs are then perfused, just like the patient would have their own circulation. Uh, nothing else really, even even everything to the extremities is, is tied off. So it's, it's really specific to the organs themselves, which is why it's called normothermic regional perfusion. And then uh, the, the recovery takes place basically like a brain-dead patient. And what they've seen, the reason that this is effective is because instead of having the warm ischemic impact, that's a negative impact on the, on the cells at the cellular level, and then going straight from that to a cold perfusion, put on ice and transported where they don't really have a chance to recondition, they're being reconditioned immediately prior to the transport you know, the recovery and transport. So, so they, what they've seen basically the same so far, the data is, is very new on it, but they're having almost the same outcomes as uh, what they're having with, with brain dead donors. And many, many more organs are able to be transplanted because of this, because sometimes a, a liver, as we had just a couple of weeks ago, uh, would have probably not been used because of that warm ischemic time because we were able to recondition, the liver was then able to be used and a life was saved. So one of the things you talked about was that it's, you know, relatively new based on some of the data and everything else. Because I was, one of the things that I was reading was like, like the results, you know, they're mirroring the findings that they were being done in other countries like the UK, Italy, Spain, and France. And so, you know, we're, we're getting, um, you know, seeing the results that they're having. One of the things I wanted to ask you is how often is this being done? How often are we seeing this more now? In some European countries, it's the only way that DCD is done. Here, it is very new. So in, in this state, you know, we've had a half dozen to a dozen altogether. Uh, but we do plan to implement 
an abdominal NRP program. And many other OPOs in states will be doing the same as this new standard for DCD because of the positive impact that it's having on the number of lives saved and, as I mentioned, the, the, the success rates for these patients. But that's not the only you know, thing that we see a benefit. One of the other big things that I wasn't able to talk about is what some people are doing, and, and I know Baylor in Dallas is one of the big ones at the forefront of this, is they are actually extubating in the ICU setting with the use of NRP. Their uh, abdominal NRP, and and what they're doing is is you know they, they cannulate the at the femoral uh, vessels, so the the family can be there. Everything can happen as a normal withdrawal, as exactly like it would have happened uh, after that waiting period that we would have normally done. Then they insert uh, the the circuit and start the circuit running, and then have again the family be able to take their time saying their goodbyes. They slowly move to the operating room and then recover the the organs uh, as they would a, a typical brain dead donor. So this opens the door to so much more, you know. Especially we understand the impact and the and the burden of some of these ICU doctors having to come down to the operating room, you know, and have to wait for an hour or two. We see, you know, the benefit for them is again that's also a, it will be greatly appreciated because they're going to be in their element. They'll be, you know, if they're needed nearby for one of their patients, they'll be there. And then they can pronounce and, and uh, you know, we do a, a slow roll to the, to the operating room. And especially the biggest impact, you'll be able to have the family all there at the bedside. Whatever amount of family that would have been there would still be able to be there during that uh, final, their final goodbyes. You know, we've been working together for for 20 years and whatnot, and we've you've seen so much. You know, as one of the clinical leaders amongst the OPO industry. So, you know, on one of the lasting things, you know, where do you see us going from here? I truly believe that the NRP and and the machine perfusion, the combination of those, has completely transcended donation and transplantation, and as some of the biggest impacts that we have seen in not only the last 20 years, but but even beyond. And I see these technologies and these processes as the future. Like this is, this is how we'll be doing donation, DCD donation uh, for years to come. And, and I also see a, an incredible increase in the amount of lives that'll be saved and, and people who can actually become organ donors. Thank you, Joey, for spending your time and sharing your experience. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can register as an organ, eye, and tissue donor anytime at registerme.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Connected by Life on your favorite podcast app. And always remember that you're a light worker. Keep shining. This is a production of LOPA. The content in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not intended to substitute for professional medical advice. To read our full disclaimer, please visit our website. The Connected by Life podcast is hosted by myself, Sean Paul Harrison. Our executive producer is Kirsten Heinz. Our production assistant is Chandra Williams. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.